0: Don't be terrified. Okay. Well, we have a special privilege to hear from Jericho Jones this morning. Uh, I'm really excited. Oh, man. I never get clapped. Gee. No, it's, it's really, I'm excited about it. And so I just want to pray for Jericho and then release him to uh, give us the good news. God, thank you um, that by the gift of your Holy Spirit, you have given Jericho the mind of a teacher the spirit of a prophet, and the soul of a pastor. And I just ask that you would release uh, the power, the authority, the the, uh, the cleansing goodness of the Holy Spirit in and through him as we hear this morning the gospel. And so we ask, Lord, that you give us uh, ears open, eyes open, to hear, to see the good news of Jesus. I pray in his name. Amen.
1: Amen. Uh, yeah, when I say I, I was uh, terrified, um, these stands are, like, really difficult to, like, maneuver, you know, so I didn't want to knock anything over. Um, as Rainey said, my name is Jericho. Um, I'm a friend of the Vineyard, uh, and I have the privilege of, of talking, um, essentially, what Rainey said about the gospel, um, what signs, wonders... And partnership with the Holy Spirit is is you're essentially walking out the fullness of the gospel in a very tangible and deep way. Um, so I was asking the Lord um, this weekend. Uh, so, what is it that you actually want to do in the next thirty minutes um, for the the services? And He said, "I want to illuminate the nature of signs and wonders um, to equip us to really honor His heart." Um, so. What we're going to be doing is not really going to be going to, like, you know, the 101s of how to walk in miracles or how to discern signs. Um, we're essentially going to be going after, like, the, the paradigm and the attitude that we have um, regarding signs, wonders, and partnership with the Holy Spirit. Um, so I'm going to be going pretty fast. Um, if you're a note-taker, do that. Um, just try and uh, stay on track as quickly as possible. Um, you know, as much as possible. If the Spirit starts talking to you, by all means, stop listening to me and listen to the Spirit, okay? Um, so the goals of today are to rightly equip us to honor the dreams of His heart, uh, to uh, preserve a pure witness um, of His character to the nations, um, and to seize our inheritance as partners with the Spirit and not puppets. Um, so we're not going to be going. So the the title of uh, the sermon is a paradigm of partnership. Um, it's not going to be on your bulletins. That's my boo boo. I sent the uh, the email a little too late. Um, so uh, just focus on what's up there. Um, so we are going to be um, before we get into the meat of it. I'm just going to lay the groundwork of what um, the Spirit has told me that signs, wonders, and um, the, the, the position, the function of the Holy Spirit is. So, um, for signs, it's really reality alert. Um, something is happening. Something real is happening. So we need to be aware, prepared. And, um, the Spirit told me, say that we need to gird our loins. That's a really weird, like part of the Bible that really weirded me out when I was uh, a new Christian. Um, what does that even mean? It it, it sounds kind of derogatory, like gird your loins. It, it, It essentially means just like be, be ready and prepare, um, even the most intimate parts of yourself, um, for what's to come. Um, what, what, what the Lord actually told me beginning out is that our paradigm of time, um, actually determines how we view signs wonders and miracles, um, you look at Matthew 24 and you go to verse, verses 42 through 51. Um, you read that uh, Jesus talking about that. Suppose that a servant is wicked and says in his heart, "My master will be away for a long time." That man's paradigm of time determined how he viewed the signs of the time, and that he was passive about it. Um, the master, the servant, will come at a time in an hour that he does not anticipate um and that's and that's really it's really weighty in that we don't know we just have we're charged with being prepared for it um that guy wasn't ready so the master assigned him to a place um of weeping and gnashing of teeth with the hypocrites um and when i hear the word hypocrites like i'll just say this like i'm a very kind person um i'm not always nice though do you guys understand the difference between, like, kindness and being nice? Like, kindness is like, you know, when, when, when I hear the word hypocrite, I, I think, you know, what, what the, like Jesus said to call the Pharisees and the Sadducees, like, hypocrites, only over 70 times throughout the scriptures. Um, and a lot of times in our culture we say, oh, they're just being religious. Well, in, in James 1.27, there is a true religion that God accepts, and um, approves of. So I have no problem with religious people. It's when you start being hypocritical that uh, we're going to have a problem. We're going to have a little conversation. Like, I'm not going to be, like, super mean. I'm, I'm going to take out the dinner, you know, move in dinner, just, you know, put some food in your belly. Hopefully you won't yell at me um, after that. But we're going to have a conversation. Like, hey, um, you're a really cool person. I see a lot of grace in life in you. Um, but this, that, and that, no please don't that's not okay. Um, see the goal the goal for for discerning signs and wonders and within your paradigm of time um, is that Jesus actually commended those who will a, who were able to um, sense that the time was there and respond to it in an appropriate way. Um, you see that in in Luke 728 where um, he was commending the, the tax collectors and all, all the, the sinners of, of the age for discerning who John was and receiving the word. And on the other hand, he said to the Pharisees that they essentially rejected God's purpose for themselves. See, that's what happens when you miss a sign. You're actually rejecting divine purpose for yourself. Um, one, one thing that, that I found is that throughout the scriptures during preparing for this sermon is that you can never slow down a prophetic timeline. Like, that's not a thing. Um, Ephesians 5.16 speaks about how the days are evil. Um, and essentially what that means is that while Jesus will definitely leave the 99 to come after you and you know, coach you and mentor you and disciple you and bring you along, there is a time frame that he operates under. You know what I'm saying? So he'll leave the 99, but when it's time to go and time to move forward, like the dream of his heart and the bride of Christ, it, it, it trumps in value over our, proce- our, our individual process. You know what I'm, saying, what I'm saying? So, in layman's terms, he wants you really bad. But the whole time is not going to wait for you. And when it's time, it's time. So we need to seek the Lord while he may be found. Um, in Matthew 25, we, we, it's, a, it's a popular reference in regards to, you know, the foolish versions. Um, and essentially, the, the nutshell is like it's is a mindset likened unto a fool that the times will wait. Um, so we need to understand that, um, we can either, we can, we can definitely hasten the, the, the coming of the Lord, second Peter three twelve, um, or you can keep pace with it, but we can't slow it down. Um, and when we're talking about time in this way, I, I think that it's, it's, uh, it, there's something to be said about realizing that time is actually a gift. Um, time was not made for God, but God made it for us. Um, and he did that so that we could like. Notice that every way that we express our relationship with God has something to do with time. Like, he's been there for me. Or, why do you love the Lord? At this point, he did this. And therefore, at this point, I responded in this way. We can't escape the link between time and our relationship with the Lord. See, time is actually an act of humility from the Lord. Think about it. A, 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 a timeless, um, impossibly, impossible, infinite God has purposely, intentionally bound himself in a specific timeline to interact with us. That is absolute humility. And that's a miracle in and of itself. Um, so when we complain about time and how much there is or how little it is, we don't recognize the gift. Um, Jesus holds us highly accountable for our paradigm of time um, because our perspective is our primary gauge of how we see and walk out signs, wonders and partnership with the Holy Spirit is how we comprehend the will of God. Our paradigm of time is how we process and comprehend the will of God. Um, so also we're going to step in the wonders. So wonders is revelation, you know, Simply put, a wonder is any manifestation that communicates to man that the acts of God are intentional, unstoppable, and uncompromising to His character. So you look at the ten plagues in, in Exodus 7 through 12, completely unstoppable. Like the, the have you have you guys ever seen like the, the animated film of like uh, the Prince of Egypt? And the little, the little, the little skinny guy, the little chubby guy, is like you know swinging around their sticks and trying to act all cool. And essentially, they don't really notice that when Moses drops his staff, like his snake eats their snakes. So essentially, the the God of Israel is non-contestable, completely, absolutely. Every plague showed that God was supreme. And that there was no real adversary. There, there, there was nothing that could stand against. Intentionality. Um, uh, wonders open your eyes to what you couldn't see before. I think a wonder that, that doesn't get enough attention is when um, Jesus died on the cross. And then immediately after, there's an earthquake. And, and, the, in the, and the, the curtain um, in the temple gets um, torn in two. Um, And the the centurions at the the base of the cross say, truly, this was the Son of God. This guy was no joke. Like, we we, we were making fun of him for, like, nine hours. And then the second he dies, we get knocked off our feet. Like, we were wrong. We were really wrong. Wonders open up your eyes to something that you couldn't perceive before. Um, And after being uncompromising to to his character... Fire by night, cloud by day. A, a, a tangible symbol to the people of Israel that the, that the God of heaven was for them and not against them. I would say that sanctification as well is an implicit wonder. The, 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 for God to be the author and the finisher of our faith, Hebrews 12.2, um, shows that the, pow- the same power that makes a blind man see, it's the same power that takes a spiritually dead man and makes him alive. It is by grace that you have been saved. It's a wonder. God is for you. Clearly he is for you and not against you. Um, it also breaks down spiritual walls and, and paves the way for faith. Um, Mark 2.20, when Jesus was was healing the lame man in the temple, um, and, and the first thing he says is, is like, you know, man, your sins are forgiven. And the people were thinking in their hearts, like, what is wrong with this guy? What, what is he talking about? How, how does he have the authority to say, your sins are forgiven? And Jesus says, well, you, have a, you clearly have a wall. So, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins upon the earth, get up and walk. Um I believe that miracles also so we were talking about signs, wonders, and the Holy Spirit. I think that miracles falls under the category of wonder, okay um, and at this, at this juncture we're going to go less for the practical and more for the attitude um, in regards to miracles uh passivity is outlawed there is no passivity in the kingdom, so proverbs eighteen eighteen nine says that He who is slack in his work is a brother to one who destroys. Um, So the the partnership between us and the Holy Spirit within walking out healings and miracles is not a passive reality. Um, Passivity actually dismantles or dishonors the pursuit that you're going after. Um, So faith is, is always the cost of entry. Um, and a culture of faith demands that you engage um, with the pursuit. so sometimes we can um, just we, we, we tend to within within um, going after healings and whatnot we tend to default all of the activity to Jesus and that's been the trend um, and um, i i hear I hear a lot of testimony in regards to, you know, I wasn't feeling it that day, and I was praying, and I just said, Jesus, do it, and he did it. So clearly, it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with the Lord. I'm going to boldly say that that is an unbiblical perspective. Um, so when situations like, like what I just described happen and you're not into it, and the Lord does something, um, and you, you can't default that that was okay, because that may have been a wonder to everyone else in the room, but that was actually a sign for you, because when the Lord has to bypass you in order to live through you, there's an issue that needs to be dealt with, you know what I'm saying? So, when when, when that happens, don't don't feel totally condemned, but just... Pay attention because through ministry, the Lord may have a specific message for you. It could be one of encouragement, it could be one of correction, it could be one of direction for the next time. So just pay attention so that next time you enter that situation or pursue um, that work of the Lord in partnership with Him, you can actually partner with Him. Um, so, and finally, the Holy Spirit has everything to do with our relationship. So I, I was asking the Lord, like, Holy Spirit, like, you know, simply put, like, what do you do? <laughs> like, what is it that you do? Because you, you look through the scriptures, he's like, he's a comforter. Um, he's the one that gives all truth. Um, he's grieved. He intercedes. He, 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 if he had a resume, it would be, be never-ending. Um, I was like, "Can you just can you just sum it up for me?" Um, and he said, "Simply, I govern all human relations with divine destiny. Everything that a human has to do with divine destiny, that's on me." And I was like, "Okay, okay, <laughs> that's easy." Um, Ephesians 1.14 and Second Corinthians 1.22, um, he is the guarantee of the inheritance to come. So everything that we're going after, the Holy Spirit joyfully and exuberantly stewards that in our hearts. And we partner with him in that. Um, there is a place in the, in the dream of God's heart that only you occupy. Um, and he loves to live in us. So even, even more than the Holy Spirit loves to work empowered through us, he loves to occupy us. He loves to prepare. The, 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 Jesus said that he, the one who loves me, loves me and obeys me, the Father and I will come to him and make our home in him. The Holy Spirit is responsible for setting up that place in us. And making sure that our hearts and our souls are properly furnished for the Father and the Son to occupy and, and, to, and to feel safe in. You know, the, the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Well, he does now. He, he does now. Um, to dwell on us and to sanctify us is, is an absolute, complete joy for him. So, at, so now that we've laid the groundwork, we're going to walk into what the paradigm of partnership is. And we're going to start um, at Matthew 8, 5 through 13. Um, so I'm going to get up and read it because I don't have it in my notes. That I haven't memorized it. So when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came asking him for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, Shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, He was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, go. Let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. I love that story. and I, I asked the Lord, Lord, that's really cool. But what in the world does that have to do with signs, wonders, and the Holy Spirit? And he said that in the same way that, this is, that the centurion understood that his authority was both his to use and to be held accountable for, It's the same ethos that applies to us as we walk in grace and power. See, Jesus marveled at the centurion because he was able to transliterate a supernatural reality from a human institution. So as we follow the directions of the Holy Spirit, Matthew 10 gives us the authority and permission to actually command things to happen. So that means that we have both the responsibility and the joy of discerning his, the Lord's will in any given situation and acting upon it. See, being a centurion didn't mean that he was just given authority to do what he wanted, when he wanted, and it wasn't even about doing what he thought his superior officer wanted. The man was a centurion because he was trusted to be an exact reflection a, a, a surrogate, even, of his commanding officer. Like being a, So if I'm a centurion, and let's say Seth is my commanding officer. Raise your hand, Seth. Wave, for everybody. If he's my commanding officer, Seth doesn't need to worry about me doing something that he didn't want me to do. I'm a surrogate of Seth. Therefore, it's the same thing as if Seth was doing something in my region. I'm an exact representation of Seth in the, in, in, in that, as far as that metaphor goes. And in the same way, um, in the same way, we are entrusted and, and are to be trained to live out the will of the Lord in that same way. Um, John 15: abide in the vine. How do you know what the Lord is doing and what He wants to do? Abide in the vine. And sometimes we let the principles of what we've come to believe the Lord wants from us to trump his actual direct- directive. Um, I was I was listening to John Vivere one time and he was at this conference, you know, and, and everything's just going crazy because, you know, he the, this this man carries power wherever he goes. Um, and, and he discerned that the power of the Lord is present to heal. So he says that to the crowd, like, you know, if you are sick, the power of the Lord is present, and there's powerful healing here. So people line up, and everyone gets healed. The next day on the plane ride home, he's, he just feels sick to his stomach, um, and he just feels really off. And he, he asks the Lord, like, Lord, is this backlash? Is, is, like, what is going on? Like, I feel, I feel horrible right now. And the Lord says to him, I didn't tell you to heal anybody that night. I didn't say that. You assumed that just because the power of the Lord was present to heal, that my directive was to heal. But you didn't ask me anything. You communicated more with the power than with me. So there, there is an actual there, – there is an active stewardship when we're walking in signs, wonders, and miracles. Um, active stewardship of the Holy Spirit because we've been given power. Matthew 10. Matthew 10 is not a wish list. Okay? And, and I say that – it sounds harsh, but I say that because whenever, whenever we're praying, a lot of the times we – We pray for healing, we say, Jesus, I I ask that you do this, or "You, you cleanse the leper, or Jesus, I pray that you cast out this demon. But Jesus did not say that when he gave the disciples authority. He said, I've given you power, I've given you authority to go out and cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. He did not give us permission to default the authority that he gave us back to him. That's not what partnership looks like. What kind of partnership do we do? What kind of – So look at at business because I've recently stepped into a business role at at my work, and this is how I I look at it. What kind of business relationship works where one person supplies the resources and does the work – And you just sit there and do nothing. See, that kind of mindset, it's what invites us to give ourselves permission to walk in passivity. And as believers, I'm I'm just going to say this we're not supposed to be asking Jesus to do it. As far as that list goes, there are plenty of things that we pray for and we ask Jesus to do. I'm not saying that there's nothing that we ask Jesus to do, okay? I'm saying as far as Matthew 10:1 goes, when you look at that list, that's not a request list. That is a go do this list. Okay? It's not our power to use But stewardship infers active management, and active management infers accountability. You know, you look at Acts 3, Peter and John, they're saying, we didn't do this by our own power. When they healed that man at the gate called Beautiful, and the people started trying to worship them, he said, they they didn't say, Jesus did this, not us. That's not what they said. They said, don't look at us as if we did this by our own piety or by our own power because it wasn't our power. But they didn't disown everything because that was the platform by which they were able able to preach the gospel. You know, you look at Romans 11, and Paul says that from Jerusalem to Illyricum, I have preached the full gospel of Christ. So walking in signs and wonders cannot be divorced from the gospel by any means. Um, And I think that the the parable of the talents is, is 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 where we can um look at this in that when we default our authority back is as if we're saying Jesus this is a really good idea but this is a really cool gesture but this is a bad idea. I can't handle this, so here you go. We bury our talent in the sand, wait for the master to come back and say you do something with this. You know, this this, this might be difficult for our current paradigm is because accountability is, is quite terrifying in that we're afraid of falling short. We're afraid of failing. We, I, I look at my generation, I see that we are one of the most gifted and powerful peop, uh, gr- a group of people. Um, and yet, I'm heartbroken at how easily we fall into shame, guilt, and an offense. And it, it shows that we may be powerful, but we have some insecurity to walk through and, 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 and uh, you know, overcome. You know, if something I think we're afraid of this, because if, if, we may be afraid of this. I'm not assuming that people are afraid. But there might be some anxiety in regards to accountability because if something doesn't happen that we command, then we have to ask the same question that the disciples did at the base of the mountain: Why couldn't we do this? Why couldn't why why couldn't we be the ones to do this? And the taboo "you didn't have enough faith" answer still has to be valid. I mean, how many of us can can say to a mountain? Be thou removed into the sea. If no, one, including me, I can't. I can't look at a mountain and say, "Be removed." So, the 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 answer from Jesus of you haven't trained for this one yet. That's still valid. That still has to be valid. Um, and we look at we look at the 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 illustration of the mustard seed as one. Measuring the scope of our authority, but also the process of acquisition for that authority. Um, Now, I'm going to make a disclaimer, like, because a lot of the times accountability can equal fault. And that's not the case. So if you pray for someone and nothing happened, I'm not saying it's your fault. If you gave a word and didn't come true, I'm not saying it's your fault. If, um, or I'll get a little deeper, if a family member died and you contended for healing, I'm not going to say it's your fault. I'm saying that we can no longer afford to dissociate with the supernatural process because it hurt our feelings. Like if we want to go deeper into this, we have to take ownership. We have to, instead of asking the Lord why, we have to ask what happened. Because when we ask why, sometimes we can get into like this accusatory thing of like, Lord, it's your fault. You need to fix this. Why didn't you do it? Whereas when we ask what happened, it broadens the scope because then the Lord can can say something like, you know, the timing was right, but this was off. Or um, this is what I was doing, but you were trying to do this thing. Or this is what I didn't want, but you were trying to go for it anyway. The the, the scope opens so that instead of meeting your demands, the Lord can disciple you and mentor you. So the questions that we ask the Lord in the depths of our process actually determines how we walk away from it. Um, you know, there, there are some Greek words that are on your um, handout. I'm not going to have time to go into it right now. But essentially what that means is there are different wills of the Lord. And we have to discern which one is which in any given situation. Otherwise, we get all messed up when something doesn't happen. We get offended, and we start changing our theology to match our experience, which is completely uncalled for and not allowed in the kingdom. Um, I mean, and, and sometimes what I want to get into before before my time is up is that we need to slow down and wait before we pray against something. You know, a lot of times with the, with the politics and um, the earthquakes and the, and the droughts like our immediate disposition is to pray that the Lord stops it What we need to do is slow down and ask the Lord These things are happening. Is this what you were talking about in Matthew 24? Should I be praying for you to stop what you prophesied? You know we need to be careful that we don't employ our sentiments and sabotage the beauty of the entire Christian narrative. Because a correct paradigm of signs and wonders actually protects the integrity of the Christian narrative. Because basically what this thing is, is we are... We're actually... Speak in the gospel when we walk out signs, wonders, and miracles. See, our, our interpretation of signs and wonders is what we communicate about the character of the Lord to the earth. Um, and I know that sometimes it's terrifying what we have to say. I mean, the, the moon turning blood red, sky, uh, stars falling from the sky, um, the Lord coming with a sword in his mouth. That's not only terrifying. That's kind of weird, but it's scripture, and that is the beautiful inheritance that we walk in. And we, as much as it is a great joy, to to walk in signs, wonders, and miracles, it is it is a it's a fight. It's a fight, and. And a lot of the times we can look at the weight of accountability and walking in signs, wonders, and miracles and be intimidated out of it. But when you understand how beautiful your heritage, your heritage is, then that fear of failure, that fear, that insecurity, it gets replaced with a fierce desire to see the Lamb of God receive the reward of his suffering. So it's not about how you perform at all. Is about whether or not you truly contended for the Lamb of God to be made supreme upon the earth. We have a place in it, but it's not about us. We have a very powerful and sweet and beautiful place in it, but it's not about us. So when we look at this, we need to count the cost. And when I say count the cost, I'm not, I'm not asking us to decide whether or not we think it's worth it. You know, when Jesus talked about counting the cost, he said, talk about a king who's trying to figure out how to win a war. What kind of king do you know that wants to decide whether or not they want to win a war? The king already wants to win the war. Counting the cost is checking your resources. It's seeing if you currently are equipped with what is required to bring about the fruition of your pursuit. So if I could have Lynn um, come up. We're, we're going to – I honestly can't tell you how to respond to this message. I'm really sorry, but I really I, – I don't know. I, I really think that's for you and the Holy Spirit to decide. Um, I was only in charge of coming up here and saying what he wanted me to say. So my, my job is almost done, but not really, but really um, – So how do, what is this even going to look like? And the Lord brought me to, we can stand up. We can stand up and get in the place of like, you know, receiving or the Lord's talking to you. Um, And I'm just going to say some final things. The Lord brought me to the verse of my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And that's some intense imagery. It's like, I don't know if you all know what a yoke is, but it's similar to what they use in medieval times to, like, put somebody in and they just, like, hang there and people, like, throw fruit on them. Um, And it's, and you put it on a cow and 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 they go through a field and they till the field. And that's an incredibly vulnerable place. And it feels unsafe. But his yoke is easy. It's his power, but he's gentle. His burden is light. The, the, the gravity of what we've been given to steward is great, but he's not looking for us to fail. He is confident, and he is excited, and he is already proud of you. He is not bracing for you to disappoint him. He is anticipating that you fully join him. He values us. He really does. If I can have the ministry team come up, whoever you may be. Whatever you need, whatever you need to pray through, Whatever anxieties come up in regards to accountability, whatever questions that you have for the Lord, broadly scoped questions, this is the time for you to come up and pray with somebody in it. I love you all and I believe in you all. Um, I'm excited to see what takes place in our hearts. I'm excited because I don't I don't come with 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 heavy messages because I want to see people weigh down. I come with them because we have been given the call to something that is real. It is real. This is not fake. This is not trivial. This is the reason why we exist upon the earth. There's nothing that's been more important than our testimony of the Godhead to the nations. So if, if you have kids, then you are more than released um, to go get your kids. If you have to go, um, you're more than released to do that. But if the Lord is speaking to you and talking to you, I implore you, please do not leave this room without getting prayed for. It is imperative that you do not leave without getting at least a word spoken over you by someone up front.